Actually, there's a podcast that was actually quite helpful for me on that. Um, I don't know if I can plug it here, but it's called the uh, Allied Health Financial Podcast. Jolty better sure. get a commission oh. off that shout out. <laughs> oh, 100%. Sorry, will you go ahead with your non-degenerate comment? Okay, I wasn't saying... Okay, yo, I, I'm done with you. I'm done with you. Like, literally, I'm done with you right now. <laughs> Hey guys, and welcome to the new episode of the PT3 Podcast. I'm here with my friends Waleed and Michael. Say what's up, guys. How's it going, guys? How's it going? What is up, everybody? And we are here with some very, very special people who actually are the reason why we went into physics. Okay, no, I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but they were one of the first few people that I had the pleasure to meet. And, uh, you know, they just really helped me feel at home, especially Jyoti. I remember she roasted my deep squat in the first yeah. day of uh, PT school and I just <laughs> felt like at home I felt like I belonged and it's a pleasure to have uh, Jyoti and Lauren on the episode so if you guys just want to go ahead and introduce yourselves Jyoti take it away oh gosh okay hi everyone my name is Jyoti and I'm a new graduate I guess or a PT3 from the uh, U of T uh, physiotherapy program oh we're PT3 also Lol. Oh crap, then I'm a PT3. So many PT3s. <laughs> PT, there we go. <laughs> what? Wow. You're off to such a strong start. Okay, uh, my name is Lauren. Um, I'm also a new grad, uh, and I finished up alongside Jyoti at U of T. Well, thanks for sharing, guys. Um, first thing I wanted to ask you guys is how did you know what to do when you got out? Like, I feel like there's so many, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of like pressure to, you know, learn the theory, learn the, uh, okay, what am I going to do when a patient walks in, like, et cetera. Right. But I don't think you really completely know until that like very first day or the very first time a patient walks in and you don't have like a supervisor next to you to kind of facilitate that. Right. So how, how did you know what to do and how did you kind of work on that? That is such a good question. Um, you don't know what to do and you don't know what to do for a while. And that is totally okay. I felt like the last placement was really a chance to kind of have those firsts, those like uncomfortable firsts. Um, but that's kind of where you figure out what to do. Like U of T does a really good job of, um, teaching you like how to learn, but the learning is ongoing, right? So you kind of, you pick things up as you go. What's a what's an example of an uncomfortable first that you um, experienced? Oh, um, the first time uh, somebody said yes to like a red flag question, right? Because I feel like we practice those a lot in school, you know, like clearing out any red flags or anything, or like any reason somebody would need to go to hospital, right? But as soon as like you're in like in lab, everybody answers no, right? Everybody there is like healthy, you're well, you're in school. Um, but then outside of school when somebody says yes, you're like, okay, yeah, this is one of those times I need to do something. And I felt that that was uncomfortable, but it gets more comfortable for sure. No, for sure. I think like I imagine that like, cause in, in school we practice it as, oh, we should call this person or this is the emergency, but like, actually understanding like this is something that i think i talked to like prab about too like if you come across someone that's actually going through something that's way more insidious and sinister mm -hmm. 
Like, what do you actually do? Like, in practice, it seems like it's so, like, artificial. But in real life, it's like an actual person that you're dealing with. So I can totally understand why that's uncomfortable. What are, like, what are some ways that you can deal with some of those uncomfortable situations or having, like, uncertainty when you graduate PT school and then you're going to start work in, the, like, the, wor- the real world? Um, I think something that I found was that you almost have to get comfortable with the notion of being uncomfortable. Um, the program isn't it introduces you to everything in terms of PT, um, but that's like, it is an introduction. So it's like delving deeper into joints or the cardiovascular system or anything like that. That's kind of on you as a clinician to go out and learn more. So whether that's like looking up stuff online or reaching out to mentors, that sort of thing. So I think just having that at the back of your mind when someone comes in and you don't know what to do next, um, it's you should be in a place where you're like okay I don't know what to do but this is step A step B step C of like how can I get my hands on that information did you find that like um when you had those moments of uncertainty like there were people there that were that were available to help you like whether that's your colleagues or even like internet resources or the people you went to school with do you think uh, those were resources that helped you out with that. Definitely. I would, I yeah, yeah. Go ahead. For sure. No, I was, I'm totally agreeing with you. Yeah. So I think uh, like colleagues are a huge one for me. Like having other physios in the clinic that I could bounce ideas off of, especially if it was like more of an urgent thing. Like having people there really helped. Like of course, the internet is helpful, but I feel like that was for like less urgent things, like things that could probably wait until the next session. And then of course, uh, like our friends we went to school with, like I still meet up with people regularly just to chat over cases that we have and like different ways they're progressing similar cases and, and things like that. So definitely all of the above. So I know there could be some physios that go out and work in clinics where they may be the only physio. Um, and I know you guys mentioned that, you know, you have your colleagues that you can reach out to, um, that you, sort of like went through school with and then you can reach out to them what are some other ways that you can find a mentor or also like if finding a mentor is something that you want to do post-graduation like what are some ways you can go about doing that um so something i did was um a physio that i had known prior to physio school whose kind of methods and approaches i really i really liked and and made me think i reached out to him um to just do some informal mentorship with me so it's like a few hours a week that sort of thing and it's very much from this external environment that isn't necessarily in my clinic um so i found that to be very helpful and refreshing just in terms of new things that I may not know or different approaches that like myself or my colleagues may not be taking. I totally agree with Josie there. Like, um, it was actually one of the small group facilitators from U of T. Uh, I just like liked where he was coming from and I ended up connecting with him and then going to his clinic quite a few times just for additional mentorship opportunities. Like it's always good to get outside opinions. Um, another thing that I found helpful, um, was networking. So obviously like post-grad, I've taken a few courses. You can network with the people who offer the courses or people who have taken the courses before, or maybe are like teaching assistants on the courses. And then they can be really good resources as well. 
Um, a good example of this, so I also do uh, pelvic physiotherapy, um, and there are Facebook groups of other clinicians in Canada and Ontario, and there is also a group from the States that I'm a part of as well, just so you can connect with different pelvic physiotherapists to kind of get their ideas on treating certain conditions as well. I like that. Um, uh, and just to like kind of pick apart what you were saying, um, Lauren, you, you mentioned this idea of courses, right? Like that's one of the biggest things I think that's like at least like salient in my mind as I'm transitioning from like a student life to like the professional life. Like, there's like a sea of courses, honestly. Like what what kind of things were you guys like thinking about when deciding on the, some of the courses and and going for certain certifications like you mentioned pelvic floor but like what are some of these other courses that you took and what kind of things influenced your decision making when you guys were deciding on these courses for sure so Jyoti and I also took together an acupuncture and dry needling introductory course um Basically, what I prioritize, because there's limited time, of course, and more than that, limited funds, right? Like these courses are not cheap. So I prioritized things that you needed to be rostered to do, right? So like needling in Canada, in Ontario, you need to be rostered. You need to have a course to be able to do it. Same with pelvic for internal exams. You need to be rostered. So I prioritized those ones. There are other skills and other courses you can take, but you don't necessarily need to be certified in them to use those skills within reason. Uh, so like one example are like uh, the manual therapy type things. There are some of those techniques that you can do without needing your full certification in manual therapy. So I kind of prioritized rostering first. Second to that came like passions and things that I'm really interested in. Luckily, like pelvic kind of flowed with that as well. And I've also done a couple peds courses as well, but that's kind of more of just like a passion thing. I really enjoy those things and that's why I take them. So you're saying that if I really want, I can do a C-spine manip on my first day? You cannot do spinal manipulations. <laughs> so no, you can't. And if you do, please don't say that is because I so. Oh no, I definitely got it specifically from Lauren. Like she told me. Like 100% Lauren told me on the first day on my next placement, I'm gonna be doing this. Damn, I don't even have my full license yet. Guys, I don't even have my full license yet. Don't take away my partial one. No, no we, we won't, we won't. How, how about you, uh, Jyoti? Um, yeah, yeah. What, what was your thought process in, in the decision making for the courses? Um, I would I would say that the way I kind of approached it was primarily um, to follow my passions and build on my strengths. Um, and then, so that was with, I guess, like the manual courses um, or course. I only took the level one. Um, and then the second thing would be to like for me is identifying where my weaknesses are, whether that's in clinical reasoning or whether that's in certain like hands-on skills and then trying to find a course that specifically addresses that um, is kind of my methodology in terms of courses. Um, but I think you do need a little bit, like you need to be able to get out into the clinic a little bit and explore your environment before you go searching for courses. I think that would be my suggestion yeah like i imagine that like did you guys like have an idea of the things that you kind of gravitated towards like like 
by the last placement because like for me like i have no idea like that's why i'm asking for all the advice that i can get right now because i'm going to my third placement i have i have no clue what kind of things like kind of grab my attention is it like something that will just come by the end of like the last placement or what do you think i feel like by my third placement i had no idea what courses i wanted to take like so don't feel like you're behind on anything there like your clinical experience like Jyoti said it's going to help guide what you feel you need or what you're interested in like I wasn't even sure Mm -hmm. about pelvic really until like much much later it was actually like after graduating when I kind of thought like oh this could be something really really cool after I saw it quite a bit in clinic Mm -hmm. so don't rush don't rush into it at all. Like it's a financial commitment. It's a time commitment. I feel like, um, I also, I think we're lucky cause we had a little bit more extra time to explore courses before we were working because of the pandemic, there was a little bit of a gap. So I feel like I used that time really to kind of explore what courses were available and take some then. Yeah. Like I don't want the feeling of like FOMO to be the thing that kind of like guide my decision making when it comes to taking these courses. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like literally everyone, everyone is talking about taking these like manual therapy courses and it's just like yeah there's like a pressure to do it just for the sake of doing it but i really like what jyoti was saying like find your weaknesses as well and then also think about what you actually want to do like in your practice right and i I guess that kind of i want to ask you another question about that actually um when it comes to you know finding your passion things that you're going to do in your own practice um, I think different clinics are going to represent different cultures and different ways of thinking. So what, based on that, what do you think are some important things to look for in an employer or in a clinic when applying for a job? Like what types of things were you specifically looking for to, to be like, yeah, this was my passion. This is what I'm interested in. This is how I can grow as a practitioner. Dude. Amazing question. Um, I guess I'll start us and then Lauren, uh, feel free to add at any point. But um, something that I did was I jumped onto clinic, like social media outlets, and I was kind of seeing what are they advocating? What sort of environment would you have in the clinic? Like I gravitate more towards um, kind of blending or being that being that middle ground between um, like very, uh, very, I guess, stage one sort of rehab, um, and then transitioning out into sport or that sort of thing um, so, so, sorry, wait, wait, stage, stage one oh. yeah, yeah yeah oh sorry stage uh, like like early stages <laughs> early stages that's what i meant like oh okay, um, okay, okay. so kind of helping i guess it would be athletes transition back into sport that sort of thing so i know that i needed an environment that would be conducive for that so do they have something like weights kettlebells or like a a barbell that sort of thing um and then is the clinic advocating for um, selling a lot of stuff because at the end of the day, clinics are businesses as well. So you have to be careful, um, that the business side of things isn't overtaking your, your clinic, your clinical reasoning and that sort of thing. So just seeing, um, I feel as though clinic social medias, uh, or social media platforms are, are pretty good at helping, or at least at helping me identify that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what about you, Lauren? I totally agree with the social media thing. Clinic culture is key. Uh, mentorship opportunities. You know, I also found it was helpful to get to know different clinicians there and see if there's 
you know, like a diverse skill set or if everybody's really doing the same thing. So the place I'm currently working, I find that each clinician has a ton of autonomy in what they're doing. Like there's no pressure to all kind of practice the same way. That being said, if you're interested in some area that somebody specializes in, it's a very open environment where you can ask questions or kind of talk through cases together. So mentorship was key. Clinic culture was key. Um, like Jyoti mentioned, like the business side of things, like you want to make sure that the values, their values kind of align with your own, right? Because at the end of the day, like you are representing that company and they're representing you. So, yeah. Man, that business side. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, 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 really, it's really intimidating, right? And I think we just recently had a, a lecture or just like a discussion about, you know, what to do and how to treat it differently if you're a sole proprietor versus an employee. There's like a financial planning seminar and it was just kind of, it was weird. Like, did you guys have any experiences with that where you were juggling between, oh, do I want to be an employee here or do I want to be like a contractor? Like what made you decide? I can hop in on this one. So initially I was thinking like, I totally want to be an employee because it was what I was familiar with, right? Every other job I've done before for the most part has been as an employee. So I felt a lot of security there. Um, But then after attending, I think it was the same financial seminar with the same speaker. I realized like, oh, this is actually Mm -hmm. maybe easier than I thought to be an independent contractor. And luckily for me, my mom is like this tax goddess. Um, And she knows like everything (laughs) about taxes ever. It's like a passion of hers. She's she's rare. She's a gem. But she kind of like talks me through it and what it would actually look like and what you can claim as business expenses and how at the end of the day you may end up actually making more of the money you made rather than having to spend it in uh, taxes to the government. So that's kind of where my mind went. So everyone that's listening right now, you you guys don't want to do, just reach out to Mrs. Black. <laughs> yeah, um, you got it. <laughs> we'll take care of all your taxes. <laughs> so I actually didn't know what an independent contractor versus an employee was until this, uh, we had a session with Triangle. Triangle came in and uh, Lauren spoke a little bit about the difference between the two during that session and I thought you gave a great explanation. So just in case anyone listening isn't sure what the difference between the two are, I was hoping you could go over some of like the similarities and differences and things to consider between the two. Okay, okay, I'll try my best, but apologies in advance if I mess this up. But basically, an independent contractor, you're kind of your own boss. You submit like an invoice or your company may do it for you, but basically it'll charge for all of the services that you provided at that clinic. Um, No tax money is taken out of that money, so all of it goes to you. So when tax season comes around, uh, the government will want you to pay a portion of that money. That being said, you can claim certain expenses as business expenses. So things like your like mileage to get to and from, if you bought any physio-related equipment, um, if you have like a home office, then sometimes you can write off part of your rent or any supplies for your home office, part of your Wi-Fi, part of your phone, things like that to kind of offset how much tax you'd actually be paying. Um, That being said, you don't pay into unemployment insurance or the Canadian pension plan. So if, if something does happen where you can't work, um, there's no kind of funding from the government for you because you haven't been paying into it. Uh, the difference when you're an employee, so you're 
an employee. Um, part of your paycheck goes towards taxes, part of it goes towards EI, part of it goes through the Canadian Pension Plan. And then when tax season comes around, usually, I don't know everybody's tax situation, but usually you don't have to pay more money. You'd probably get more money back because you may have spent more in taxes than you should have. That being said, according to the CRA, um, there are different requirements that you need to fully be an independent contractor. So like there's no mandatory meetings, you have full autonomy over your schedule. Um, yeah, does that, does that kind of summarize everything well? Yeah, no, that was great. I was really confused a little while ago and then you explained it and I was like, oh, that was really good. So I felt like that'd be helpful for some of the listeners who aren't too sure between the, uh, the difference between the two. So thank you. Awesome. No um, and I'll add one more thing on. So either as um, an independent contractor, usually you make a fee split or you can charge the clinic like hourly for being there. Um, same thing as an employee. So as an employee, you can make a fee split or you can get paid hourly. Usually in the world of physio, independent contractors are a percent split um, and employees are hourly. But again, it changes based on the clinic or where you're working. I'm just wondering, what's that percent split like on average or is it just always different? It is always different, but I find Mm -hmm. um, it changes uh, based on your experience. So like earlier on, I think average percent as a PT resident is between like 35 to 42%, I'd say, in a physio-owned clinic, but again, it can vary. And then usually there are increases mm-hmm. every year, or you can negotiate them in your contract or things like that. Hmm. Oh. Great. That was super helpful. Thank you. Yeah, Jyoti, what were your uh, experiences with that whole side of things, the business side? Um, honestly, the business side was very foreign to me. Um, I had kind of gone in with the knowledge that I'm sure the the same chat we had received um, with that sort of chat. And um, I ended up being an independent contractor. So it was like, oh, okay, I better get myself together and find out, you know, what is, what should I be, you know, what sort of receipts and stuff should I be saving? How should I be doing things? Um, And then now I guess it's tax season. So now I know, um, in terms of my finances, like Lauren was saying, it's a little bit different than um, just being an employee. So I definitely think uh, for those that end up being self con- uh, independent contractors, it's important to have that information in advance and go looking for that information. Um, actually, there's a podcast that was actually quite helpful for me on that. Um, I don't know if I can plug it here, but it's called the uh, Allied Health Financial Podcast. Oh, okay. Um, so okay. these guys, these guys actually visited us uh, at U of T, um, and are physios, I believe. But they basically uh, give a little bit of personal finance education to healthcare providers and professionals in particular. So I thought that was a great resource for me to just get some kind of on the fly information as well. Mm-hmm. Jolty I'm better sure. get a commission oh. off that shout out. <laughs> Oh, 100%. You know what? Actually, no, I actually do have a question. So, you got it. I have a question about how to land your first job. So, I know like we haven't really necessarily had any experiences specifically for physio in terms of this, but uh, is it just your general interview tips, or do you think there's anything specific or anything special we can do to prepare for, um, you know, getting that first PT job? 
Wait, wait, wait. Maybe, maybe I'll reword this. Like, what did you guys do to land yes. your first Yes, job? what did you guys do? I guess I can start. Um, <laughs> yes. Something that I did was, I feel as though we as PT grads um, almost sell ourselves short in the sense that like, oh, we like just finished out of school and that sort of thing. Um, no, you have just as much information as, as other uh, PTs out there, right? And obviously the onus is on you to keep learning. Um, but don't sell yourself short and, and look for clinics that fit you. Because what clinics are looking for is people that fit, that fit their environment, their culture and that sort of thing. So as a clinician going into a new space, it's also on you to be like, hmm, is this clinic a great fit for me? Or am I, you know, putting a circle peg in a square hole kind of thing? Yeah, I totally agree with Josie. Like interviews can be scary, but if you have the mindset of like, you're offering something to that clinic too, right? Like your fit with that clinic matters a lot, like just as much as whatever the employer thinks of you is what you think of the clinic. Like they matter the same. Um, yeah. And you do have a ton to offer. Like, even if it feels, I remember like, and I still sometimes feel this as a new grad, like what could I possibly have to offer the situation? You guys have like forefront education. You guys have the up-to-date literature and studies. Like U of T does a really good job of updating their course content constantly. So you guys have like the most up-to-date knowledge from PT school ever, right? That's huge. That's huge. So you can really sell that too. I feel like every time we get on this podcast, like I feel a little better because people, everyone says that, you know what I mean? Like I think all of us kind of go in uh, thinking, you know, oh man, I I feel like I should know more at this stage. But then hearing that from you is like, it's super helpful it's yeah it's very powerful man especially because you guys just came out of it and and um we're we're just in the mindset of like oh like we're we're just kind of like we need therefore are we competent rather than thinking of it like the other Mm -hmm. way around you know what i mean like we're stuck in that weird limbo at the moment that's why it's like very important for you two to be on here to kind of like clear the clear the air for a lot of the residents like ourselves yeah for sure And something else I wanted to add was um, it's not always about jumping at the first opportunity. It's so hard to be patient um, when applying, when interviewing and that sort of thing. Because you're just like, holy crap, I'm so broke. I need a job. Um, But also like crawling up your back, you know, (laughs) it's like. You look in the fridge, there's no food. You're like, I need a job. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm t- I feel it right now. Like, so I can't even imagine what it was like for you guys. Like, how, how are you guys just sitting there patiently? Like, oh, you know, like, this is not the right fit for me. I just, like, jump at it at this point. <laughs> Give me money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think, so something that happened with me was I actually did jump a little bit with one of my opportunities um and it didn't end up working out for me in that sense but it was just one of those like when I got in it I was just like oh you know what Jyoti like had you just taken a step back and been like is this the right opportunity for me at this time in life maybe I would have backed mm-hmm. maybe yeah but I think it's like mm-hmm. important to reflect on that right like you might not have even realized that until you got there 
so like i think it's important yeah. to always be like questioning like even if you've been there for a year like two years just be like hey it, am I you know getting... what it sounds like yeah you know what it sounds like it's like it sounds like you get into a relationship with something that okay i'm not gonna say toxic but like something that was yeah. like <laughs> who hurt you? something that didn't that you know isn't a good fit but you wouldn't know what you wanted unless you were in that situation yes yeah yeah Totally. Yeah, I think that sounds like a good learning opportunity, if anything, Josie. Like, I feel like always take a step back and reflect, but if you jump into something and you're uncomfy, like learn from that discomfort to make it more comfortable in the future. Mm-hmm. And it's, and like our first jobs are never gonna be our last jobs. Um, so there's also that notion, right? It doesn't have to be perfect and like everything you want and more, but um, it should be a stepping stone in the right direction. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that kind of like, like I've heard quite a bit is this idea exactly that, you know, when I think one of our guests told us like, you know, kind of explore multiple opportunities, right? Like as soon as you come out, like go on and go in, like go in a hospital setting, don't just think private practice, like, cause whatever the private practice offers is completely different than what a hospital offers. So therefore you kind of like, like, you know, bring together, your learning is way more like, I guess, exponential in a sense. So, um, is it, is that something that you guys did too? Or were you guys just kind of like looking for the perfect fit in terms of like what you would do on a day to day? That's such a good question. I feel like I really valued working for uh, a place that's, that knew that growth was okay and knew that, you know, like the everything, like this could be temporary, but they're going to help me grow in this position and potentially grow into future positions, but realize that I'm not kind of sticking there forever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get it. So yeah, I definitely think that the growth for sure is key. What? what? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, Jyoti, you, you go ahead first. I'll remember my question. Don't worry. Okay, cool. Um, I was just going to say something that I uh, knew that I wanted for myself was to kind of get um, two sort of separate part-time jobs in like two different realms of PT just because I didn't know what exactly I wanted to do or kind of which exact path I wanted to take. Um, so it ended up working out, which is which is amazing. Um, but again, it keeps my, my options open even now. Does that like, did that at any point like feel overwhelming for you? Um, trying to like balance like two different positions or anything like that? Uh, I think I enjoy kind of the, like getting over the, that hump of the learning curve. So I'm still very much mm-hmm. riding that, but um, I think I enjoy the process, the learning, the, I know when, when I don't know something and I'm eager to kind of figure figure it out so i think that that part has been very enjoyable for me mm-hmm. i love that yeah um, i really like how you kind of emphasize that you know when you're starting out and it's kind of like with anything right when you're starting out it's a little overwhelming but it's also exciting right like being a beginner and knowing that you know there's so many places you can go there's so much progress to be made right so mm-hmm. i think it's a pretty exciting time for all of us that are just about to graduate and kind of start our careers i think it's it's definitely exciting. Yeah. 100%, um, man, 100%. I have a question for Lauren, actually, based on what she was saying. You said that one of the things that kind of was salient for you was how the culture promoted growth, 
Now, this is just a personal question. Like, what does like growth mean to you specifically as a physio? Oh, that's such a good question. So there's all kinds of different growth. And you guys talk about this a lot on your podcast because I love it so much. Um, But any kind of growth. So it could be like Mm -hmm. personal growth, like taking additional courses. It could be growth within the company, right? Like moving into management positions or potential ownership if they open a new clinic or things like that. Um, as long as you keep, as long as you keep moving forward, right. Or you have a next step to go. I feel like, especially as residents, like you or new grads, like you finish and, and there are just so many options ahead of you. And knowing that you're working for a place that kind of supports that, whether it's through formal education, mentorship, new positions, things like that, you're in a good place. I love that. I love how you said you got to keep moving forward. And I feel like just to add on to that, sometimes you could, you sometimes you have like an end goal in mind and you like reach that goal and then you're like, where do I go from here? But if you think about it as like a process and you like continually move forward, then like, that's a great way to think about growth. I love how you explain that. How about you, Joy T? Do you have anything to like add to that? Um, that was so beautifully put, Lauren. Honestly, that was amazing. Um, I don't know if I really can add to that. Um, but I think something that I like personally fear, not at this point, because this point is still the learning, getting used to practice and stuff is Um, but something that I fear down the road is complacency as a clinician. Um, so I feel this notion of like constant growth in whichever way possible, um, is, is incredible. And it's one thing to kind of keep you going, keep you changing, keep improving yourself as a clinician. That was elite complacency as a clinician. Like, I love that because it's scary, but you could just technically, could just do the same thing every day or for every like type of patient but then like you're not going to give the same the, like the needed level of care right that's like a really mm. good point for sure and also i feel like that circles to like advancing the profession as well right like you guys will see when you're in in your clinical placements and all that stuff if you haven't already how many people come in and they say oh i've been to physio before somebody hooked me up to this machine and then they left for 15 minutes and then they came back and unhooked me and gave me a piece of paper with stretches on it. And that was Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that that's a terrible way to treat. I'm sure it works well for some people and some clinicians really enjoy doing that as well. Um, but in terms of the patient experience, like from what I hear, generally they don't leave feeling that much better you know, their conditions don't necessarily improve and they have no knowledge of what's actually going on in their body as well. Right. So, uh, you, you just don't want to be that complacent person or the person that kind of gives people that taste in their mouth of like, that's what physiotherapy is, which it can be, but it's also, it can be so much more than that. I I totally agree with that. And I love that message. And to just tie in what Joey T was saying with like, you said you had like a fear of complacency. I think that's like, you can look at it one way and it's like scary, but if you look at it another way, that almost like fuels you to not be that cookie cutter physio and just like hook up like a machine to a patient and be like, okay, that's it, right? Like you're you're, like scared of like that complacency. So I feel like that, that will like drive you to be like better each day and like work like 
work on yourself more so that you can provide more for your patients. So I feel like that, like fear is a good thing almost if you can like embrace it. Yeah. Um, actually my, uh, one of my clinic owners, his, um, he follows like, I guess the, the Japanese sort of methodology of Kaizen, which is change for the better. Um, and I feel though that's kind of almost exactly what we're talking about, where it's always change or improvement for ourselves, for our patients, like Lauren was saying, all for the better. It's huge. Kaizen. How do you spell that? Uh, yeah, I've never heard of that. A-I-Z-E-N. That's, that's pretty sick, man. What the heck? Like, that's what you were talking about. Though. I think like the culture that's created by the people that are around you is really important because then I think that kind of saying right there just shows that you are in a culture that promotes evolving all the time rather than just kind of being what you said, like complacent. Um, Kaizen, awesome. New track idea. <laughs> Stop this one. Yeah, you, you got to give me uh, my dues on that idea then. You get them royalties, bro. You're getting royalties <laughs> all around. She just, collect, she just came Splits on the podcast everywhere. today. Like, I'm, try, I'm trying to get my royalties today. That's all I'm trying to do. She's a multidimensional And that's condition. how you be an independent contractor. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> podcast done. She's going to play this podcast on her uh, tax. um i just have one final question for you guys um so if you can put something on a billboard right like right in front of like 500 university avenue for pt2s that will stay there forever what would it say and both of you have to answer i know it's a huge question just do your best take your time What a hard question. I feel like I would probably have on the billboard, okay, picture this, a picture of SSM, who's the program leader basically of PT at U of T. So picture SSM's face, right? On her little Zoom call too, right? Then the text beside her says, it's gonna be fine, you're great, right? Cause she always says that to us. And at the time you're like, yeah, 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 SSM, I get it, we're great. But actually, though, it will be fine, and you guys are great. You know what's beautiful about that is the fact that every day you would walk into 500, you would see her face, and you would get that reminder right before you go into classes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, man, I, I just, uh, I double up on that. That's a beautiful thing right there, Lauren. Yeah, there's no need to change that. If you have SSM's face, it doesn't even need so to say any, any text on it, to be honest. You'll be like, there's hope in my life. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, she is honestly the reason I chose U of T, for sure. Yeah, I, I didn't really know about her personally, but then I understand why you're saying that, because she's just such a... She's like, even with the whole Capra situation, you just saw her advocating for us, like the way that she did. It's just, it's unbelievable. Like how, she, how much she cares about us as students. For sure. Yeah, so um, if nobody else has anything to add. I think we're good, unless Lauren and Joy T, unless you have anything else you want to add, some closing remarks. Yeah, I think the only thing I would want to add is for um, you guys, and I guess like 
the, the folks in your graduating class. Um, I think Lauren and I, it's, it's very easy to say that the profession is actually so welcoming, so supportive, um, and I'm sure you guys are seeing that as well. Um, so it's going to be a wild roller coaster of a, of a career, but get ready, guys. It's going to be good. <laughs> Buckle up, boys and girls. I'm, Buckle I'm up, ready. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, thanks again, guys. Thanks again, Jilty. Yeah, we really, really yeah. appreciate your time. We really yeah, thanks for coming on. So, yeah, guys, this has been the PT3, and we hope you got something out of the episode. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Peace. Peace.